Have you ever heard the phrase star-making performance? The suggestion that an equally talented and well-positioned individual might take that next step into destiny and produce a work of art so defining that even those who refuse to appreciate or acknowledge their accolades must concede to the achievement that they have just witnessed. And this, my friends, is a beautiful pattern that we see weave throughout mixed martial arts history. Through several decades, there have been these golden suns, the ones that burnt brightest, however brief it may have been. But what were those exact star-making moments in their careers where we jumped on board with the belief that they could indeed make it all the way to the belt? And before the video, just a quick reminder to like and subscribe. We recently noticed only a few of you are getting notifications, so make sure to click the bell and turn those on. Well, join me now, Balian from MMA On Point, as we take a look at 10 fights that made fans jump on the hype train. Choo-choo! Number 10. John Jones versus Stefan Bonner it's certainly hard, given the amount of strong performances early in the career of Bones, to pinpoint an exact moment where the fan base started to climb on board with the idea that this could very well be the youngest champion in UFC history. Jones' second fight in the UFC, however, is certainly a good place to start, as he was opposed with the American psycho Stefan Bonner, who at the time was respected as a veteran and someone that came to fight every time. A good test for the now one-year pro Bones. After a relatively unnoticed first UFC performance and now more eyeballs on the matchup, it was a perfect chance for John to showcase the star potential that he had been heralded with. And he emptied the playbook on every bizarre and creative technique in his arsenal, landing a perfect suplex, trying a few scissor trips, got some beautiful hip tosses as well as a leg trip, a lateral drop, spinning back kicks, and a spinning elbow that plays on his highlight reel to this day. Those sparks of creativity and diversity in techniques, as well as the physical presence and young age of John, caught the attention of MMA fans, who were clearly witness to something very special. The UFC responded in kind by putting Jones' next bout on UFC 100, which he proceeded to dominate. Less than two years and five fights later, he was the youngest champion ever. Number 9. Chuck Liddell vs. Kevin Randleman Watching the popularity of MMA across the years is like watching the tides in an ocean slowly rise and transcend into popular culture as we ride high along with the jetsam of an individual athlete's sustained success until eventually the water breaks underneath and more often than not comes crashing down around them. Well, one particular wave MMA fans were more than happy to ride in the early 2000s was formed by the Iceman Chuck Liddell, whose mohawk and Hell's Angel persona slotted in perfectly with our delightful entertainment culture of punked MTV's Cribs and any TV show that required someone taking a punch off someone. That was his era, yes, but when did we all start recognizing his potential as not only a star, but a future UFC champion? Well, cast yourselves back to 2001, Chuck's fifth fight in five years with the UFC, his opponent, former heavyweight champion Kevin the Monster Randleman, who was making his light heavyweight debut, a weight class he described as his natural weight. No sooner had the commentary team finished discussing the quiet killer Chuck Liddell before the Iceman's left hook collided with the monster's temple, sat him to a knee where Chuck blitzed him for the finish. A bellowing roar from Liddell followed in what wasn't the first of many iconic celebrations, as fans connected instantaneously with the ferocity and rawness of his performance and subsequent celebration. It was encapsulating. Chuck's stock rose from here as he KO'd his way up the light heavyweight rankings, carrying the sport with him and his abilities as a showman. Number 8. Habib Namagamadoff vs. Michael Johnson At a certain point, the grappling heavy attack of Habib Namagamadoff went from here's another takedown artist showcasing his craft to oh god, who is this man and why is he trying to paint the canvas with that poor dude's brains? <laughs> He's already dead! 
At UFC 205, he was matched up with perennial contender Michael the Menace Johnson. Habib at the time was 23-0, a top contender at lightweight, but had only one fight since a two-and-a-half-year layoff, and that was against unranked Daryl Horcher. The card itself was headlined by lightweight champion Eddie Alvarez and featherweight champion Conor McGregor, who was embarking on his quest to claim a second belt. Upon hearing this news, Habib had labeled the UFC a freak show, especially angry after Dana had teased it would be him facing Alvarez, not Conor. And supposedly, Eddie had been sent two bout agreements, both of which went unsigned. This is number one bullshit. Thankfully, Michael Johnson invited Habib to take your anger out on me, oh dear Michael, and come fight night, that's exactly what Habib did as he battered Johnson with vicious ground and pound, landing 140 strikes to 20, all the while asking him to quit so that he could fight for the belt. Given he featured on the main card of a McGregor fight, the stage had been set for him to stake his claim to the title, and scores of fans joined Team Eagle that night. Celebrities like Snoop Dogg were tweeting out Habib following his performance, and after UFC 205, even Dana knew what time it was. Habib time, baby. Number 7. Ronda Rousey vs. Julia Budd well, 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 we all know how big the star of Rowdy Ronda Rousey eventually grew, her victories in Strikeforce being the very reason for the inclusion of the women's divisions in the UFC and her subsequent dominant performances seeing her transcend to household name and role model. But her initial ascent was far from the eye of the public, even the casual MMA fanbase. Rousey began MMA in 2011 and kicked things off by winning her first three fights in less than 100 seconds combined, each by armbar. This was enough to get the hardcore fans and forums pumping with the pulse of Rousey, a potential new contender with a dominant judo game looked at as a physical specimen. The next test came in the form of Julia Budd, now a well-known name in the world of women's MMA, but 2-1 and one at the time, having just beaten an equally young Jermaine Durandamy. Surely Rousey couldn't replicate the same performance a fourth time, even stating pre-fight that she'd been improvising a lot and wasn't sure what the outcome would be. But just 15 seconds into the contest, Bud was on her back, and another 20 seconds later, she was tapping to the armbar. Four armbars, all in less than a minute. Now undeniable in replicating her dominant performances and following a call-out of champion Misha Tate, she went viral, leading to one of the most anticipated title fights in Strikeforce history. Rousey rode that hype train until the wheels fell off, and so did we. Number 6. Conor McGregor vs. Dustin Poirier it's hard just to pick one notorious moment in the career of Conor McGregor that you would point to as the major catalyst for his rise to fame. If you're talking to hardcore or European fans, most were on board the Notorious Express after McGregor's double champ status was earned in Cage Warriors. Following his UFC arrival, dispatchment of Marcus Brimich, and interviews in the following weeks and months, most people could tell Conor wasn't just another UFC fighter looking to collect a paycheck. After walking out to an Irish crowd in Boston and then bringing the UFC back home to Ireland, Connor had already coerced much of the UFC fanbase, but there were still many fans and other fighters that wanted to see him face a true test in the octagon. Other 145ers such as Cub Swanson told Fox Sports he's been hand-fed people, and Jose Aldo dismissed Connor as a clown. But Connor's next opponent would be 15-3 Dustin Poirier, who had an 8-2 record in the UFC. He was a legitimate top-fly 145 contender, an opponent neither the hardcores or the fighters could dismiss. Barring all doubt, McGregor did exactly what he predicted and bounced Poirier's head off the canvas with a first-round KO. The star power, charisma, and undeniable performances were too much to ignore. Mystic Mac was born as Connor stated, I don't just knock them out, I pick the round and any media outlet fighter or fan that had something to say about his opponents ran out of ammunition. 
From this point on, the McGregor train was unstoppable as he transcended the very sport. Number 5. Mauricio Shogun Hua vs. Quentin Rampage Jackson Shogun truly had a lot going for him early in his career. At just 22 years old, he debuted at Pride Bushido 1 in 2003 and amassed four wins across the next two years. He had the support and backing of the Shootbox Brazilian team, connecting him to established stars like Vanley Silva and brother Murilo Hua. In addition to a well-rounded MMA game, he also brought finishing ability, ending each of his four Pride bouts by stoppage in the first round. Fans were already salivating at the potential he held. All he needed now was a named opponent, and that's exactly what he got in a matchup with Quinton Rampage Jackson with an established 10-4 record in Pride, a big personality, and coming off a win over brother Murillo, he made quite the opponent. They met in the opening round of the 2005 Grand Prix tournament, and given that Rampage made it to the finals of the last one in 2003, losing out to the current champion and axe murderer Vandele Silva, he was the heavy favorite to repeat the same this year. But from the opening bell, Shogun poured on the pressure, with Rampage barely throwing a right hand the entire contest. Eventually, Jackson wilted as he took a battering of knees in the clinch and head kicks on the ground. Guest commentator Phil Baroni alongside Mauro Ranello exclaimed him as a threat to the whole tournament, as Shogun went from newcomer to title contender in one night and, as was prophesied, led fans to a Pride Grand Prix championship and a UFC title. Number 4. Nick Diaz vs. Robbie Lawler Aside from the rough and tough attitude and West Coast gangster style of Nick Diaz, early on in his career, little was known about his total potential as a martial artist, other than his tutelage under BJJ legend Caesar Gracie. His second UFC performance in 2004 at UFC 47 saw Nick matched up with a 22-year-old rising star and ruthless KO artist, Robbie Lawler, who had six finishes in his nine MMA fights and was a product of the Milicic fighting system. Lawler was not only the favorite, but everyone expected the Stockton native to take the fight to the mat. The world instead received a first-class lesson in the art of Nick Diaz army boxing, as he swatted at Lawler during the two-round contest, taunting the aggression out of him, all the while shouting, Where you at? It was enough to make referee Mazagati warn Diaz for talking, talking, while Joe Rogan expressed his continual surprise that he still hadn't attempted a takedown, until early in the second round when Nick caught Robbie with a sweeping lead hook and switched off the lights. Lawler embodied everything a classic fan loved about MMA. Big scary knockouts, a muscular physique, and of course Lawler just being his ruthless self. Nick Diaz's anti-hero performance carved out a section of the fan base that night, and it would grow and remain with him for years to come. Number 3. Fedor Emelianenko vs. Heath Herring it's only fitting that the last emperor himself has an era of MMA dedicated to him, a period where he was undoubtedly considered to be the greatest on the planet. But that kind of respect and adoration doesn't just happen overnight, and the first of many big nights for Fedor came against Heath Herring at Pride 23 Championship Chaos 2. The Last Emperor was introduced as a wrestler up against the Texas Crazy Horse who had won seven of his nine Pride fights and was next in line for the title. Both Stephen Quadros and Bass Rutten picked Herring by decision, clearly not on board with the Fedor train to his future empire. Undoubtedly, though, Fedor's performance would change their minds. As the bell sounded, Crazy Horse rushed Fedor with a flying knee. The Emperor caught it, spiked Herring, and slammed him into the canvas. A barrage of ground and pound followed across the next few minutes until Herring fell out of the ring. The bout restarted on its feet, and Fedor landed a devastatingly Soviet suplex before resuming the ground and pound. It was a slaughter. Fedor was flying on top, landing calamitous punches and floating from position to position like he had the Green Goblin's hoverboard. 
Heath wasn't able to make it out for the second round, and Quadro summarized it best in one word, impressive, as the world took notice of Emelianenko. He was then catapulted straight to a fight with champion Nogueira and put a stop to the Brazilian's 15-fight winning streak, and Fedor won the title that he would never lose. Number 2. Francis Ngannou vs Alastair Overeem Given the assiduity now given to the truly Robert E. Howard-esque origin story of the predator Francis Ngannou, it's interesting that more attention wasn't drawn to the current heavyweight champion early in his UFC career. He arrived in the promotion exactly who he was, a relative nobody born and raised in Africa made homeless in his move to train MMA in Paris and now UFC newcomer. In classic started from the bottom fashion, Ngannou's debut would be the first fight of the night on UFC on Fox 17, Cowboy vs RDA 2. Ah, I wouldn't worry too much. Vicente Luque, Leon Edwards, and Kamaru Usman were also on the prelims. Talk about a future stars card, eh? He went from there straight to the main card against Curtis Blades, where he would remain until he received his first main event against Andrei Arlovsky. And yes, he was already building a reputation as a KO artist, having finished his last three UFC bouts in the first round, but they were against unknown opponents, had all been on UFC Fight Night or Fox cards, and he had yet to capture that one iconic highlight moment. Well, his next bout would be against a named opponent, former Strikeforce K1 and Dream Champion Overeem. It would also be the co-main event of UFC 218, a pay-per-view, and he would emphatically capture the knockout he was looking for as he blasted Overeem with a lead uppercut in less than two minutes. The MMA world went in Garnu crazy, helped in part by the hyperbolic ravings of people like Joe Rogan. Belief was instilled in Garnu that he would be the man to beat Stipe, and he was catapulted straight to the belt just one month later. Number 1. Vandalay Silva vs Kazushi Sakuraba Certainly, I can remember the first time I witnessed the axe murderer compete in what I was told was called mixed martial arts. A flurrying berserker who might very well have been the living incarnation of Ares himself, who I could have been convinced to believe had a backstory akin to Kratos, involving a vengeful quest as the last of his kind, roaming the lands as some kind of revenant warrior. He'd certainly had some good performances in his career before he met Pride legend Sakuraba at Pride 13 Collision Course, but this bout in particular would see him take his first steps on the Musfulheim Tower of MMA fandom. Sakuraba had won 11 of his last 12 fights, had many big names on his resume, and was scheduled to fight another MMA legend, Bas Rutten. But due to injury, Bas Rutten had to pull out, and Vandy filled in on short notice. As a result, many didn't pick Silva to win, especially after his loss to Tito in the UFC. Thankfully, Tito handed him flowers before the bout got underway. Ah, oh, so kind. Oh, and a kiss for Saku. Cheeky. Nonetheless, in this contest, Sakuraba was the A-side. However, at the ref's signal, Vandy unleashed hell, battering Kazushi on the feet until he dropped him and proceeded to unleash murderous knees and kicks to the head. The ref had to stop the slaughter, and Vandalay became the new pride middleweight king as hordes of new fans gleefully watched him remain undefeated in his next 13 fights, all by way of axe murder. Shout out to Ben Rosette and the excellent music he provided during the intro video. His music can be found on streaming platforms everywhere. There is a link in the description and follow him at Ben Rosette on Instagram and on Twitter. Thanks so much for watching today, guys. Remember to like and subscribe. I'll see you in the next one.